Okay, we're having our weekly Bible study for July 9th. This is July 9th, 2006. And the first thing we're going to be going over today is uh, uh, Last Trumpet Newsletter for July from um, Pastor David Meyer. And I think this is about the finest newsletter, Christian newsletter, that's put out on a monthly basis. I don't know of anything like it uh, anywhere. How he gets his information, I'm up on the internet every day, all day long, and I don't, I don't even get this information. It's got to be God, because I consider myself at this point pretty, pretty far up when it comes to internet research. And uh, he gets information that I, I don't get. So I just praise God for his ministry. And uh, a couple of Bible verses he starts out with. Isaiah 47, verses 6 through 11. We reread there, Isaiah 47, 6 through 11, where we read, quote, I was wroth with my people. Now this is God talking to, to these people. I have polluted mine inheritance and given them into thine hand. Thou didst show them no mercy. Upon the ancient hast thou heavily laid thy yoke. And thou said, saidest, I shall be a lady forever. So that thou didst not lay these things to heart, to thy heart, neither didst remember the latter end of it. Therefore hear now this, thou art given to pleasures, and dwellest carelessly. Thou sayest in thine heart, I am, and none else beside me. Now doesn't this sound like the modern day Christian church, especially in America? They dwell carelessly, they're given to pleasures, they say in their heart, I, you know, the, I am. <laughs> Isn't that what God's title is? The great I am? Okay, but they say, I am. None else beside me. I shall not sit as a widow. Neither shall I know the loss of children. So, in other words, they're basically boasting in the future. And the Bible says, boast not in tomorrow. For you know not even what the day may bring. Okay, so they're doing all these things totally against the word of God. But these two things shall come to thee in a moment, in one day. The loss of children and widowhood. So, in other words, they're going to lose their children and they're going to lose their husband. Widowhood is um, in that. Now, this is obviously, a lot of this is, it could be literal, but some of this is figurative also. I mean, they're going to just basically be losing just about everything here. They shall come upon thee in their perfection... For the multitude of thy sorcerers. Why? Okay, so they're going to come. So God, God's raising up an army that is going to be, it says in their perfection, this army is going to be perfected. For the multitude of thy sorcerers. Why are they coming on these people? Because of the multitude of their sorceries. And that's the modern day church that we have nowadays. They're, they're in a multitude of sorceries. And they don't see it as sorceries. They see it as, it's, it's okay. And for the great abundance of thine enchantments. Now, the word enchantments is also having a word to do with witchcraft. Enchanted. When you hear that word, it's not a good word. Um, it, it's uh, like have a spell put upon them. Okay, like in witchcraft. Enchanted. Even though we're taught it's in a good context. Then it goes on to say, For thou hast trusted in thy wickedness. Thou hast said, None seeth me. So these people are trusting in their own wickedness. Not in not a goodness or righteousness. They're trusting in wickedness. And then they say, none seeth me. As though God's not there. As though God's, you know, out of the picture. It's not even a, you know, nobody sees me. But see, God sees everything. 
He sees everything. That's the, you know, that's why we can't get away or get by with anything. That's why the Bible talks about that every idle word that you say, you'll, you'll give an account thereof. Um, so these are things that we need to think about. Think about when you live your life, especially if you're a Christian. Well, it doesn't really matter if you're a Christian or not. All your acts are seen. All your acts are being recorded. Okay? It's like, just think of an angel there all the time recording you. Because that's essentially what's happening with all of us. Okay? And if we lived our lives with that thought in our head all the time, we'd probably do things a little differently if you think about it. Because it kind of, you kind of want to be a little, you know, I mean, even if, even if you're in your house or wherever, you're still, God's still seeing what you're doing. It's still being recorded, these types of things. Okay? Now, I also know that the Bible says that you know, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then He talks about that He will cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. But are those sins that you've repented of? Because if you haven't repented of them, how is He going to cast them as far as the east is from the west? Does that mean you can just live like the devil and He's going to still cast your sins as far as the east is from the west? I don't think so. But if you're truly repenting, and the blood of Jesus covers your sins, I think that's a different story. Now, how that's all going to play out when we get to the judgment seat of Christ as a Christian, I can't say 100% for sure. I don't know 100% for sure. I know it says that the Bible says that there's going to be some that suffer loss at the judgment seat of Christ. But they shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Now, how does that, what is that on? I'm not 100% sure, I'll be honest with you. Uh, but I don't really want to be saved, yet so as by fire. That's like the, the least best way to get saved. Okay, I would, I mean, it's better than going to hell, that's for sure. But, um, how that's all going to play out, I don't know. I would rather err on the side of safety and try to live a righteous life in as much as, as I can through the Holy Spirit that lives inside me. Um, and, and I believe the only way to do that is to humble, humble yourself before the Lord and admit that I can't do it. There's no way I can do it. Okay, but the Holy Spirit lives inside me. I can do all things through Christ which strengthen me. And these are verses that we, we can say in our head, um, let's say if we're feeling weak or down, I can do all things through Christ which strengthen me. These are positive, now you've heard of things like positive affirmations, but the Bible does say, as a man thinketh, so is he. So now there's a lot of movement now in the New Age movement saying, just think positively, just think positively. Now, granted, there is a biblical um, uh, attribute to that, and it was in the Bible way before the New Agers ever got a hold of it. And that is, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Now, does that say, as a Christian in his heart thinketh, so is he? No, it says, as a man. It doesn't seem to um, matter so much if you're a Christian or not. The Bible does say, as a man. So it's good as a Christian to think well, the Bible says, whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, think on these things. Okay? So if we're thinking about negative things constantly, it's almost like that's what we're going to attract, because the Bible says, as a man thinketh, so is he. So if we're constantly putting negative, doubtful thoughts in our head, that's what we're almost going to attract into our lives. Okay? So there is a biblical component to that, but the, the New Agers take it a lot further, when, and they're, they're essentially turning this into... New Age philosophy, witchcraft. These, I mean, these are these are people that are living like the devil, and people that are that are going to hell, and they're basically these gurus are telling people, oh, just think positively because you're going to attract wealth and you're going to attract cars and all these other things or whatever. The 
dangerous part about a lot of that is that if that does happen with some of these people, because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, then they're totally given over to the New Age teacher that taught them it. So they're going to hell. And the devil don't care. He'd rather, honestly, he'd rather give things to the unsaved than us, than the, to the saved anyway, because he knows that a truly saved person will take these things and they'll use it for good. You know, by their fruit you shall know them. You're not if you get money as, as a saved Christian, the Holy Spirit living inside you, you're not going to take that money and consume it of your own lust. Now the Bible says you have not because you ask amiss. Actually, it says you have not because you ask not. And then it goes on to say that you have not because you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your own lusts. So see, what's our motivation for our prayers? Number one, the Bible says. In Psalm 66, verse 18, it says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Well, if you've got a whole bunch of sin in your life, God can't hear you. Number one. Then it says, You have not because you ask not. Well, okay, that's, that's another point to consider. If you're not asking for it, then how do you expect to get it? But then it says, But then it says, You have not because you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your own lust. So, you could be asking amiss because you want something to consume it upon your own lust. That's not going to cut it with God either. But if you're truly asking of a heart because you want to have these things in order not only to take care of yourself and your family, but then to help others and to be a blessing to others, well, I think that that's a prayer God can honor. Okay? But again, what's your heart? What's your motivation for praying it? And um, I believe that you could even ask God to change your heart. So that you would have a heart worthy of receiving these types of things. So, I'm just trying to give some pointers and some points that I've picked up in Scripture about why we don't get our prayers answered in these types of things. And, and um, how we want to always stay on track biblically when we're in our prayer life. And not get into the greed, and not lose sight of the fact we've got unconfessed sin in our life that's going to totally hinder our prayers. The Bible also says another thing. In Psalms, it ta- it, the, the psalmist David says... Cleanse me of secret faults and presumptuous sins that they do not have dominion over me. Now, secret faults would be faults that you're probably not even aware of. He said, cleanse me of secret faults that they wouldn't have dominion. Dominion means authority over over me. Because these sins take over and they have dominion and authority over you and you don't even really realize that they're secret. You don't even know So God can cleanse you of those things or bring those to light so you can confess them. And then he says, also cleanse me of presumptuous sins. Now, the word presumptuous means to presume something. So when we presume something, a presumptuous sin would be a sin that we're committing, that we're presuming isn't a sin. Okay? So, we don't want to... There's sins that we may be committing that maybe we haven't um, picked up in the Bible. Maybe the devil's blinded us to a certain thing and we don't see them as sin. Or maybe we don't even have a conviction about them. But the thing is, is they're presumptuous sins. And we don't want them to have dominion over us because, again, that can hinder our prayer life and it can hinder what God's trying to do for us. Now, the Bible talks about that there was four types of... There was seed that fell in four places. Okay? And the, the, the ground that was good ground, where it bore fruit, 30, 60, and 100 fold. So, that's what we want to be as a Christian. We want to be seed... We, we want to be like good ground where the seed falls on, where we bear 30, 60, or 100 fold. And I think that depends on your ministry. I think that depends on the calling that God's put upon you. Whatever you bear, I don't know. That's, that's different for every Christian. But as a Christian, the Bible says, by their fruits ye shall know them. 
So you need to be bearing fruit as a Christian. It's not because we're bearing fruit because we're trying to earn our way to heaven. It's a natural byproduct of the Holy Spirit living inside you. And it's not something I go before and brag about, look what I've done. No, no, no. The Bible says there are many that will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, haven't we done these great and mighty things? Haven't we cast out devils in your name? Haven't we done all these great and mighty works? And then Jesus said from them, Depart from me, I know you not, ye that work iniquity. Okay, so, essentially, there's going to be people that were doing this whole thing, and all their works were based on their works, and that's what they were trying to do. Earn their way into heaven. Okay, it doesn't work that way. You can't do it a non-biblical way. Those works and that fruit is going to be considered as filthy rags before God. Okay, Isaiah 64, 6. Are, are all we not together as an unclean thing? And all our righteousness are as filthy rags. Psalm 64, 6. So see, that's something that if we're trying to earn our way to heaven, our best day is a filthy rag before God. I think if we're bearing fruit truly through the Holy Spirit living inside us and we're giving Him credit for the fruit that we're bearing and we're confessing our sins on a daily basis, that's fruit that will remain. Because the Bible talks about that too. But their fruit remained. Okay, If the fruit's burned up, let's say at the judgment seat of Christ, which would be saved yet so as by fire, or if the fruit's burned up uh, um, basically because we never got saved, that doesn't count. That fruit doesn't count. They lived their whole life. They may have done all these great... They could have given to missionary works and, and um, done a lot of good on the surface, seemingly good things, but God looks at the heart. God looks at the heart. That's the bottom line. And I don't know why I got off into all that, because I, I, I wasn't even planning on it, but... Um, uh, it just kind of, reading this Bible verse kind of clued me into that a little bit. So back to this Bible verse in Isaiah 47, 6-11. It says, For thou hast trusted in thy wickedness. See, again, if our works are um, not biblically based, if our works are apart from the saving shed blood of Jesus Christ, then our works are as filthy rags. Our works are as almost wickedness before the Lord. Because what is that? It's self-righteousness. We're trying to earn our way into heaven. Whoa, no, that doesn't work with God. You can't earn your way into heaven. It's through the Jesus, Jesus Christ shed blood. For you're saved by grace. What grace? The grace of God. Through faith. What faith? The faith in Jesus Christ and His shed blood. For you're saved by grace through faith. And that not of yourselves, because we don't get saved of ourselves. It is the gift of God not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians 2.11 So, it's a gift of God. And when you receive a gift from God, there's if somebody gives you a gift, and they give it to you, do they say, okay, I mean, if it's a real gift, they don't give it to you and say, okay, I'm giving this to you, but you've got to do this. No, it's a gift. That's the nature of a gift. Okay, so it's the gift of God, not of works. Why? Lest any man should boast. Because if we could do it, if we could earn our way into heaven, then we could boast about it. Which is what, if you think about 99, I would say about 99% of the earth is doing. Even if they call themselves a Christian, that doesn't make them a Christian. Um, just because you live in a garage, it doesn't make you a Cadillac. Okay, so, if you're a Christian, there should be fruits forthcoming. And there's a lot of other things that should be taking place too, because the Bible says, Whom the Lord loveth, he also chasteneth. 
And if you be without chastisement, then you're bastards. So a typical thing uh, of, of identifying a child of God also would be, is there any chastisement on their life? Um, because we all have to go through it as, as Christians. It's part of the purification process. It's the part of our, our faith being tried, in the, yet so as by fire, that it talks about in Revelation 3. The Bible says, all they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Okay, so these are things that, that if we're truly separating ourselves from the world, that we should see evidence in our lives of. Okay, and I'm, again, it's not because you're earning your way into heaven, it's just a natural byproduct of it, okay? So I try to really stay away from... There's a balance we have to have here, because a lot of people, they get way off on one field, way off on one uh, biblical verse, or way off on another side, and then it starts becoming unbiblical, because of their theology. We have to rightly divide the word of truth. And, and study to show thyself approved unto God. And the Bible talks about, in, in, uh, in Acts, it talks about the Bereans were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Why? Because they, they sought the things in the Word to see if they were so. Okay, and that's how we need to be, especially in the day and time we're living in. There's a gigantic attack, number one, on the Christian faith. Now, a gigantic attack on the King James Bible that I've never, ever, ever seen before. Things happened in the last week on the Internet against the King James Bible that I would have never, ever thought I would see. And it's against, it's against Christians who were King James believers, and they're attacking it now. And they were, in last week, they were supporting it. They were, they were, they were King James only. Now they're, now they're going against it. I, I, I couldn't even believe what I was, I, I, um, I couldn't even believe what I was reading uh, on the internet. I, I don't even have words for it. I don't. I'm, I'm just about speechless for what I saw just this week alone. And that's a whole other Bible study on that. And, but um, it's just unbelievable. So it says that, that in, going back to Isaiah, Thou hast said in thine heart, I am, and none else beside me. Okay, hold on, I'm sorry, i got to hit myself. For thou hast trusted in thy wickedness, thou hast said, none seeth me. Again, that's, that's a lie, if you believe in that. Because God sees everything. Therefore shall evil come upon thee. This, this is God talking to them. Thou shalt not know from whence it riseth. So see, evil is going to come upon those lukewarm people that call themselves Christians. Because see, God's the same today as he was then. The Bible talks about that. So this is a biblical principle that we're seeing here. Okay? Yeah. Yes. Um, for thou hast turned, for thou hast trusted in thy wickedness, thou hast said, none seeth me. Thy wisdom and thy knowledge, it hath perverted thee. What perverted them? Thy wisdom and thy knowledge. Well, the Bible says that in Hosea 4, 6, it says, it says that my children are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Okay, so somebody could read that and say, well, that... Boy, I just got to learn everything I got to learn. No, most of what's out there, especially in today's day and age, is deception. It's, it's not true. Okay, so we have to be able to discern truth from deception. Okay? Because look at here. It says, thy wisdom and thy knowledge, it hath perverted thee. So see, they had the wrong wisdom and knowledge. There is a wisdom Jesus talked about that's earth, earthly. Okay? This is the whole premise behind what they call Gnostic religions. Like, 
basically every religion on earth other than Bible believing Christianity is in some way, shape, or form Gnostic. That word means Gnostic means hidden knowledge. These people seek after hidden knowledge in their respective religions. The Freemasons are a great example of that. Oh, they go through all their different degrees of Freemasonry. Well, then they learn the secret wisdom as they go further in the ranks. Almost all religious systems are set up that way because Satan set them up that way because what he's doing constantly is he's dangling this carrot out in front of them saying, all you got to do is go to the next degree or to the next level and you're going to gain this knowledge. And it's never, never, never enough. So here it's talking about thy wisdom and thy knowledge, it hath perverted thee. Okay, so we got to be careful about what wisdom and knowledge we're going after because it will pervert you if it's the wrong wisdom and knowledge. And that's mostly what you're getting in the churches today. Perverted wisdom and knowledge. Okay? And then it says, Thou shalt, thou shalt not know from whence it riseth. Now this is, this is the, um, the evil that's going to come upon them. They're not going to know from whence this evil arises. And I'm telling you right now, we're right on the cusp of this, I believe, in America. They're, they're going to be taken unawares. They're going, to be, they're going to be like the slothful steward that Jesus talked about, where, where you know, he, beat the, he beat his servants and, 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 and he drank and he got drunk. and that. Well, that's what the church is, basically, now. They're, it's going to come upon them unawares. They're, going to, they're not going to know from whence it riseth. And then, it, and then the Word of God says, And mischief shall fall upon thee. Okay? Thou shalt not be able to put it off. There's going to be no remedy for this. Okay? There's going to be no remedy when this happens. And desolation shall come upon thee suddenly, which thou shalt not know. They're not going to, and you know what they're going to do? They're going to get mad at God. And many are going to be offended. The Bible talks about, in, in Jesus talked about, and many there are that will be offended. And I believe this is going to be in, in regard to, Jesus says, I came not to bring peace, but a sword. And there's going to be many that turn one against father against son, mother against daughter. Granted, we, we're seeing a little bit of that now. But when the chips are down and when it gets really bad, then we're going to see people's true colors. We're going to really see who's Christians and who's not, who's of the devil and who's not. Because he's going to separate, I believe, the two, and it's going to become very obvious uh, of these things. Because he doesn't want lukewarmness. He wants... Black or white? Hot or cold? Read Revelation 3. So, um, so anyway, that's basically that verse. And, and I think it's very applicable to the day and time we're living in and the day and time we're moving into. And uh, I'll tell you, this, America is going to be the worst place to be, I believe, on earth when this goes down. Because you're going to have so many spoiled, rotten, not only pseudo-Christians, but the world that, that are going to not be able to handle what is coming on this nation because we've never had to deal with anything like it. It's not like we've got a generation that's fresh out of the Great Depression like we had in the 1930s. These people, for the most part, are soft. And we're, and I'm, I'm talking, you know, hey, I haven't been through it myself either, okay? But I am trying to ask God to mentally prepare me for what's coming because I believe it's going to get real bad, and I don't want to sit here and say, well, I'm going to be able to just, no, I'm not going to be able to do nothing apart from the Lord. And that's, that's what we've got to go back to, is it's got to have to be through the Lord. Um, but another, uh, the, the bright part about it is that in times like we're going to be moving into, the true church always flourishes under persecution. The true church always does better under persecution. I was talking with a man... Um, or, or had read an article recently about a man in Romania 
that had been under that the church under there was under tremendous persecution. And I'm talking in the last 20, 30 years, okay? I mean, where, you know, you risked your life for, for, for your faith. And now that persecution is pretty much lifted. They were under such persecution, they had no way of communicating with one another. They, Bibles were, were banned. They, you could get killed for literally having a prayer meeting. Do you know what that'll do? It'll force you to draw so close to God that you'll hear His voice better than you ever had when you didn't have all those things in your life. It just does. It's a force. Either either you either you do it or you go away from God. One or the other in that type of environment. These people were so in tune with the, with the Holy Spirit that they would actually know the Holy Spirit would ba- basically speak to them and they would know where to go meet on a, on a certain time. They would actually all show up like in a spot in the woods or at somebody's house at the, at the same time or, or, or at a particular time during the week. And none of the other ones knew had told them. That's how close to God they were. And I think that can happen. I don't think that's charismatic or whatever. If God has to arrange it that way because we have no way of communicating with one another or if the phones are tapped, He could do that. That's His prerogative. Well, that's not happening anymore. Because what's happened is the persecution's lifted, and now these people are just kind of... It's human nature. It's human nature. And, and um, do you know that there are certain people in Romania that live that way, that are actually praying for the persecution to come back, so that it could be... so that they could be... have that relationship with the Lord like they had? Because when you get used to that, when you get used to... a uh, a filet mignon steak in, your, in regard to your relationship with the Holy Spirit and you have to go back to um, uh, I don't know what would be a good analogy, hamburger you get used to that that, that, that filet mignon steak okay, and you go back to a, to a hamburger, now if a hamburger is all you've ever known, you may say, oh this is great but if you've all you've ever known is a, a filet mignon in regard to your relationship with the Holy Spirit and, and, the, and the Lord you get used to that. They actually were praying for the persecution to come back. Now we don't have it. We can't even have a concept of that in America. We don't have. But see, they do. They do. And I, I think it's kind of neat that uh, that they've got that that type of walk with the Lord. I'm not saying I do. I'm not going to sit here and, and I mean, but ultimately, whatever whatever it takes for the Lord to straighten out the body of Christ, He's going to do it. He's going to do it. You know, because He He's got to. Um. So, we, we go on in this newsletter. In this issue of The Last Trumpet, we will once again focus our attention on the amazing events of our day in the light of the true Word of God. We are truly living in the last days. And these are indeed very strange times. In fact, if we use the Bible as a standard of judgment, we can say that these are days of open rebellion uh, against God Almighty and days of widespread spiritual insanity. We live in a society of pleasure-mad, demon-driven people who feed their lusts and passions as they hyperextend their credit to enslave themselves, even into further illuministic cauldron on which they are blended into a people that will receive the very Antichrist. So in other words, the, these people, even the Christians, they're, they're hyperextending their credit, they're enslaving themselves, because the Bible says the borrower is slave to the lender, and the Bible also says, O oh man, no, no man nothing, Okay, now, hey, I'm preaching to myself, because I've still got debt, i got to get paid off, okay, and hindsight's 2020, and I'm not saying I'm perfect in that regard, but 
that's where I want to go. That's sure where my goal is. So we go on and um, what they've done is they've blended themselves with the people that are actually going to receive the very Antichrist. See, the modern day church is going to blend themselves with the world. They're, they're already doing it anyway. It's just, it's just a few more steps to get them to be just like the world. They're going to all receive the Antichrist together. Um, and, uh, you know, that's the way it's just going to be. Our government at every level is operating by witchcraft and astrology. That says our government now. Now we're going to prove that. Our denominational and even fundamental churches have likewise become institutions of the occult. And paganism. Cleverly disguised as Christ-centered. See, if, if the devil can counterfeit things, he's going to do it. All of this was foretold long ago by, by our Lord Jesus Christ and his apostles. Many people are confused, especially about what the churches are doing. As these are institutions that are supposed to be the answer. Yet they continue to sway and move with the prevailing wind of air and become the very epicenter of the problem. See, the churches are the problem. They're the epicenter. The epicenter means the center of the problem. The church, if the churches were doing their job in America, as at one point when, when, when this country was you know, first founded into the 1800s, the church, I'm not saying it was perfect, but I believe it was doing its job. Okay, And if we look at church-age dispensations, that would have been more from the Philadelphia era and in the Philadelphian church in Revelations, they don't even, Jesus doesn't even have a rebuke toward them. He basically commends them. Okay? And then we go to the, the Laodicean church, which is where we're living now. And I believe that started around 1881 when that first perverted Bible came out called the Revised Version by Westcott and Hort, which was basically just an Egyptian Catholic Bible. That was when the Laodicean church, I really think, started. And that was when a lot of cults came up. The Mormons came up. The Jehovah Witnesses came up. The Seventh-day Adventists came up. A lot of the churches started getting really, really watered down. Churches started to incorporate then, thereafter, coming underneath the IRS and a 501c3 corporation. And all that's... The chickens were coming home to roost, essentially. So, um, let me get back to this. Our government, okay, our denominational and even fundamental churches have likewise become institutions of the occult and paganism. Um, many people are confused, especially by what the churches are doing, as these institutions are supposed to be the answer. Where is the high standard of the Word of God in our religious religions of our day? Where is the call to repentance? Where is the forsaking of sin? Where is the broken and the contrite heart? Well, the Bible talks about in Isaiah 66, it says, To this man will I look to, they that are of a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Huh. Isaiah 66. This man will I look to. Now, God's talking. This man will I look to. They that are of a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Now, I can tell you, the darkest time of my life that I ever went through, I had more of a broken heart before the Lord than I had ever had in my life. But the one good advantage about that time was that I believe God was looking to me. Probably greater in that time than He ever was, even though it was a very, very dark time in my life. That doesn't mean that, that He's not looking to me now, but I'll tell you what. If you have a broken heart before the Lord, and a contrite spirit, contrite means humble. The more you are that way before the Lord, the more I believe He has the propensity to look at you. Because the Bible says so. If you're proud before the Lord, it's a stench in his nostrils. What is the opposite of pride? Humility. Well, 
Well, that's why he does it, because it's the polar opposite of pride. To this man will I look, they that be of a broken heart and a contrite spirit. It's something that almost we should pray for in our lives, so that God can look to us. Say, God, I want you to look to me. I want you to hear my prayers. But see, there's requirements from God. Humility, broken heart before the Lord. Why would we be broken hearted? Well, a lot of times, it's because of our own sin. We're broken heart because of our sin. What does that do? It humbles us before the Lord. They're, they're, they're natural byproducts of one another. So anyway, um, sadly, the people of this world are soaking in an illuminized brine of air. He's got a clever way with words. Um, and they love to have it that way. See, they love the sin. They love their sin. Sin and iniquity are reaching a saturation point. And the depths of Satan are now becoming clearly visible in a full manifestation of his millions of evil spirits who have taken over the management of millions of human beings. Think about that. That's, that's what's happened. Millions of evil spirits have basically taken over these millions of people that are, that are apart from God. They're basically at the, the, the control of the helm. They're, 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 they're in control, pretty much, of what's going on with these people's lives. Um, so then, and, and this includes government leaders and ministers. Let it here be noted that Satan is referred to as the prince and the power of the air. Ephesians 2.2 gives us the following warning. Wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Okay, so that's... That's what it is, the prince of power of the air. This is the spirit that works in the children of disobedience. Now, the children of disobedience are, are both saved, or un, I'm sorry, unsaved and the ones that think they're saved, pseudo-Christians that aren't even saved. You know, they just think they can live like the devil and, and you know, there's no problem with that. They have no conviction of their sin, that's another problem. Their conscience has been seared with a hot iron, that's no good. Strangely enough, the air or the air waves have a great power in our present day. Now remember, Satan's the prince and the power of the air. Okay? So, the air and the air waves have a great power in our day. Electronic devices, including our 500 communication satellites. 500 communication satellites above Earth. That's a lot. Okay? Fill our airwaves with smut, sex, and filth of every kind. Now, if you think about it, they're broadcasting all the smut, sex, and filth through the air. Think that might have a, a, an effect on the inhabitants of the earth? Okay. Between sending stations and receiving devices are the airwaves. They are filled with impulses of pornography, violence, and unspeakable graphic displays of all that hell has to offer. Computers, satellite television, satellite radio, cell phones, and numerous other devices all use the power of the air got a good point here. And Satan is the prince of that power according to the word of God. Yes, the word of God warned us a long time ago that the strange time would come when Satan and the powers of the Antichrist would seize upon the world and its population and set up an infernal kingdom by the means of the power of the air. That time has most certainly come. Almighty God sees and hears all of these airwaves and every image they produce. See, God's, again, He's seeing this stuff. Okay, It's not like anybody's getting by with anything. It's not happening. Very soon He will bring awesome judgment upon it all. I urge everyone who is reading this letter to seek the Savior now while the, while the little time remains. The saving power of Jesus Christ is so great that He can and wash all the evil out of your heart and mind and establish you in His kingdom. 
is a wonderful and awesome reality that you can be under new management, so to speak. It is time to seek the Lord. Now, the month of June 2006 brought forth satanic projects designed to prepare people everywhere to accept the Antichrist. Now, this is the deal. I mean, why is Satan doing all this? Well, his ultimate master plan is so that the whole boatload of people are going to accept the Antichrist. That's why he's doing this. He's setting the stage for all this. Okay, let's look at some ways he's doing that. First of all, exactly 13 days before June 1st, the Da Vinci Code movie was released, and it appears to be in theaters worldwide, and is an appearing in theaters worldwide. This Antichrist movie ranked 13th of all time for a movie's opening day. 13 being the number of rebellion. Well, it's pretty good. It should be 13. It quickly moved into a second place worldwide for an opening weekend. Because its overwhelming success and popularity, Sony Pictures is now playing two sequels, Da Vinci Code 2 and Da Vinci Code 3. Isn't that great? It has been noted that the immense popularity of the film is due to the favorable response of young people and even some Christian churches. Now, understand, this movie is straight from the pit of hell. It's totally against the word of God. It's, it's blasphemy of the highest order. Really, it is. I mean, you couldn't get much more blasphemous than this movie. But yet some Christian churches are promoting this. One example is a church near Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, called the Discovery Christian Church. They want to discover stuff, but not of God. This church bought all the tickets for a, for a Carmite's theater. It's evident that's a particular type of theater they have. So they bought all the tickets and offered paid admission for anyone who wanted to see the Da Vinci Code movie. So this is a, supposedly a Christian church that bought all their tickets and was just giving the tickets away. Evidently, this is helping them spread their gospel. Because they wouldn't be buying tickets and giving them away if, if, they weren't, if they weren't in unity and in agreement with this movie. I mean, I would, I would go so far as to say that with this movie, they probably got some new converts coming to their church. If you could get new converts into your church because you were promoting the Da Vinci Code, God help you. Because you're on your way to hell like grease lightning. You're in the whole congregation. It is unbelievable. Now, understand, in this newsletter that I'm reading you, every single thing I'm reading to you here is referenced. If you want to get this newsletter, or you want to go see it online, go to www.lasttrumpetministries.org lasttrumpetministries.org and, and click on the newsletter for July of 2006 because he archives them on the site. I email them out. I copy and paste it and email it out to my whole email list. Christian email list, I should say. So you can see it for yourself. You can see all the references that, that what we're saying here is not something we're making up. There has never been such a blatant and outright attack on, on true Christianity as this, this, this movie has produced. Now that's a pretty heavy duty statement there. Think about that. And I don't think there has ever been. I, I agree with him on this. So now we're living in a time where a movie just comes out that is the most blatant, blasphemous attack on the Word of God, on Jesus Christ, that we have ever seen, ever. Okay? But then you'd have some Christians telling you, oh, it's just going to get better and better. We're going to bring in the kingdom. We're going to bring in the kingdom. Nothing's going to get worse. Well, sorry. 
Before I explain why, I'm going on the newsletter here, I would like to mention that Last Trumpet Ministries has produced a track entitled, quote, A Former Cultist Looks at the Da Vinci Code, by Pastor David, Bay, David J. Meyer. Now, Pastor Meyer was a former occultist. God saved him out of all that. He has a very unique perspective when he writes this newsletter. I don't know of anybody like the guy. This track is now printed and available for you for personal use and distribution. It is free for the asking, but help with postage is always appreciated. This is a hard-hitting track loaded with information, and it makes the occult connection regarding the Da Vinci and, and it makes the occult connection regarding the Da Vinci Code. The purpose of the Da Vinci Code movie is to begin to make people to think and ultimately to convince them that Jesus Christ married Mary Magdalene and impregnated her. Now this is before he even went on the cross. That's what the ultimate purpose of this movie is. The premise is that Mary Magdalene stood pregnant with his baby as he was crucified. And that she was whisked away to safety immediately after the crucifixion. Later, as the story goes, Mary Magdalene gave birth to a girl. And alleged, the alleged physical daughter of Jesus. Subsequently, the girl grew up and married and gave birth to another girl. This trend of having girls and girls and girls supposedly continued on um, with girls birthing other girls until the present time that we're living in. The people who supposedly protected this so-called holy bloodline formed a secret society called the Priory of Zion. And that's spelled S-I-O-N. And during the church, the crusades of the Middle Ages, they formed a visible but secretive military called the Knights Templar. Now, the Knights Templar are basically like the beginnings of the Freemasons. Okay? And a lot of the secret societies we have today now. Here, let it be noted that these organizations are very real and do exist. They are currently hiding and operating from the highest orders of Freemasonry in the York Rite of the Lodge. Now, um, Barbara Ahu has a lot of good research on the Priory of Zion, if you want to check that out. It's P-R-I-O-R-Y of Zion, S-I-O-N, if you want to check that out further. Um, and see that this is something that... See, I've known about this for a long time. Now it's all coming to pass. The, the original book that came out that got everybody into this was called, a book called Holy Blood, Holy Grail. And it talks about what they call the Merovingian bloodline. Now this is this Merovingian bloodline that they said is a direct descendant of Christ. So, this is, again, blasphemy of the highest order. If this were to be true, we can just throw our Bibles in the trash because they're not worth the paper they're printed on. It's a lie straight from the pit of hell, though. And But, how many people? I mean, they're reading a perverted Bible anyway. They're reading an AIV that has 64,098 less words than a King James who had translators on that committee. One was a rabid lesbian named Virginia Mullencott who was in the God of God's worship and, and you know, dressing like a uh, butch uh, lesbian. That's, who, that's who's on the uh, translation committee for your NIV Bible. Then you got two occultists named Westcott and Hort that, that gave you your Bible originally through the revised version upon spawned the NIV. So, it's perverted. The word's been polluted. Now, going back to this, the twelfth grand master of the Priory of Zion was Leonardo da Vinci. He was the twelfth grand master of the Priory of Zion. He, 
and who built secret codes into his artistic works pertaining to the secret holy bloodline and holy grail. This is what Leonardo da Vinci did, it, and that's why it's called the Da Vinci Code. Because we're trying to crack the code on Leonardo da Vinci's paintings. He was the 12th Grand Master of the Prior of Zion. Here, let it be noted, now this is unbelievable, I didn't even know this. Here, let it be noted that most people who have searched history regarding this are under the impression that the Holy Grail is the sacred cup or the chalice used by Jesus during the Lord's Supper. That's what I thought it was, but I was wrong. Here's what it is. What is this holy blood, holy grail? What is this? This is, however, an intended diversion. In other words, they, they propagated this lie so you'd believe it, but it's not really what the case is. Because if people knew the truth, it, they would be offended by it. Even, even the unsaved would be offended by it, most likely. Because here's what it really means. However, this is an intended diversion. This is where the connection with witchcraft comes in, and the Holy Grail. In witchcraft, a chalice or a cup represents the female genitals of the priestess. Okay? The male genitals of the priest are represented by a ceremonial knife called athemy. Okay, that's what the name of the knife is, athemy. This is what they'll use to kill human sacrifices at high satanic levels. They'll use the knife, the athame, to kill the human sacrifice, whether it's a baby or a grown human or an animal, and then they'll drain the blood into the chalice. Okay? The chalice is representative of the female genitals. The, the knife is representative of the, of the male. Okay? Is that lighthearted and politically correct? No. No, it's not. But it's the facts. And the Bible talks about in Galatians 4.16, Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Um, so anyway, let's go further. When the knife is placed into the chalice, under the light of a full moon, the witches believe that the fertility power from the astral plane, now this is all New Age jargon, fertility meaning ability to conceive, from the astral plane is drawn down from the full or ovulating moon. This is how witches think now. You got uh, Christians don't think this way, but this is how witches think. This is how they practice their religion. Okay. Thus, the grail is not a literal cup, but the reproductive part of the female anatomy of the supposed physical descendants of Jesus Christ. So it would be Mary Magdalene's reproductive organs. And then when she has a girl, it would be her reproductive... That's the grail. That's the holy bloodline that's trying to preserve this bloodline that's called the Merovingian bloodline that Jesus Christ supposedly started. What could be more blasphemous than that? I don't really know of anything. I don't know of anything that could be worse than that. But you got a boatload of Christians buying into it and paying money to go see the movie. You know? So, let's go further. This is rank blasphemy, obviously. The prior Zion and the Knights Templar believe that there was and always will be a female descendant of Jesus until finally a male child is born into the bloodline. That's where it all ends up. There's been female child after female child after female child born for hundreds and hundreds of years. Since 2000, whatever, 33 B.C., when supposedly Mary Magdalene was impregnated right before Jesus Christ went up on the cross. Been all these females and descendants through the years. What's the ultimate end of this? Until finally a male child will be born into this bloodline. This male child is to be the ruler of the descendants 
is to be the ruler of the world. We who are Christians would understand this to be the Antichrist himself. This is where this is all leading. This is why I said all of this. Because it's very important in the times we're moving into to understand the deception that's coming. It's all here. I didn't even really fully understand the deception until, until I read this today, last night. Because it's, it's, being, it's becoming totally obvious. So if we look at this further, let's see here. If we look at this a little bit further, will the two sequels to the Da Vinci Code movie bring millions of people to the very Antichrist himself? Sure they're gonna. People have already said, we want more, we want more. 13th best, best movie ever been introduced in, in a particular weekend. The, the, the church is even in there watching this movie. A lot of the church, not all of it, but a lot of the church is even in there. They're saying we want more. This, these, these Da Vinci Code 2 and 3 movies are going to bring people to the Antichrist themselves. See, supposedly the Da Vinci Code movie has all of this, again, hidden knowledge, this Gnostic knowledge, which is the, which is the result of uh, really the start of all cults in the world are started from Gnostic, hidden knowledge religion, uh, of, of knowledge. People always want hidden knowledge. Because it makes them feel good about themselves. And, and, and they, they know something that the, the next guy doesn't know. And then knowledge, they say, is power. And they can use this power. And unfortunately, in this case, it's witchcraft that they're using in order to go forward with, you know, whatever plans that they've got. So, what's going to happen is, is the Da Vinci Code movie will bring millions of people to the very Antichrist himself. Who is brought into public view and presented as the, quote, true Christ. By, the, by a physical descendant and is a rightful world leader of the new age. Time will tell. We must also understand that the Roman Catholic... Now this is very interesting, this next part I'm going to be reading. Um, because I had no idea. And quite honestly, I had never looked at scriptures in this way until uh, Pastor David Meyer had brought this out. About this next part that we're going to be talking about. Because... This, this is his newsletters are just so amazing to me where he gets this information how he ties it all together moving into this next part we must also understand that the Roman Catholic Church has always secretly fought the Priory of Zion and the Knights Templar because the doctrine that there is a physical bloodline of Jesus Christ threatens and nullifies what they would term as papal meaning the Pope's succession and establish an established throne of the Pope. It would, it would be a threat to the Catholic Church if there was really a physical bloodline of Jesus Christ because they, they, you know, supposedly the Catholic Church has tried to go by the Bible. Well, that's pretty much a lie. But at least they have a Bible of some sort. Now, people that, that espouse to the bloodline of the Holy Grail, they just throw the Bible out the window. It's such as a book of lies. So see, what would happen is the Roman Catholic Church has always fought the Priory of Zion. At least that's what appears on the surface, okay? Whether that's really happening or not, I, I'm not 100% sure. But, it says that they've appeared to fight the Priory of Zion and the Knights Templar because this doctrine of the Holy Grail is a threat to their papal succession and their, and their popes. 
At this point, let us consider the words in Revelation 17, 16 through 17, as follows, quote, And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore. So now the ten horns on the beast are going to hate the whore. Well, they're both evil, aren't they? Pretty much. And shall make her desolate naked. Who's going to be made desolate naked? The whore. Okay. And shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. See, even Satan's camp's divided. I pray for Satan's camp to be divided. I mean, that's one of my prayers. I pray to God they're all in derision. And, 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 and there's a lot of biblical instances that God goes to in the Bible where it even talks about in Psalm, I think, 3, where it says, The Lord shall laugh, he shall have them in derision, you know, and in confusion. I pray to God for that. So it says, And he shall make her desolate, eat her flesh, and burn her with fire. Who's going to eat that? The beast is going to make her desolate, and shall eat her flesh, the whore, and burn her with fire. For God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will. See, they're just fulfilling God's will. We can look at this and get real depressed. But you know something? All this is, is a fulfillment of God's will. He deemed it so. God knows the beginning from the end. The Bible says so. He knows how it's all going to turn out. He took John out of the Isle of Patmos and took him down and let him see the future. It's God's way. It's not ours. So this isn't something to me to get depressed about. We're moving into the time that all the angels have even desired to look into. Okay, the Bible makes uh, reference to that. And, the, and that the saints and the prophets, and I think that, that we're moving into a time that, yes, it may be the hardest time the world's ever known. But, when it's all said and done, a thousand years from now in eternity, we're going to be grateful we lived in this time. Actually, we're going to be grateful, I believe, the moment after we're, we're swept up into heaven. So it's not something to get depressed about, Although it could, you could get depressing if you were just purely looking at this from a worldly standpoint. Um, so then it talks about, okay, so then we, um, we go, thus the Bible tells us that a beast and a whore, about a beast and a whore, both of which are abominations and of Satan, is the prior of Zion and the Knights Templar, with, with which now are hiding in the highest ranks of Freemasonry and Illuminati, the beast, are the Roman Catholic Church and her daughter denominations the whore? Hmm. Seems pretty plausible to me. Seems pretty plausible to me. If, 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 the, if the Roman Catholic Church and her, her denominations were, um, were the whore, it would make pretty much perfect sense. Um, because the beast is going to destroy the whore. And the beast, right now, has been in hiding for a long time. The whore's open. I mean, we could see the Roman Catholic Church. All you got to do is drive down the road. What about all of its whore denominations that have offsprung from it? Sorry, what came out of what came out of the Catholic Church? Lutherans, Presbyterians, basically the Protestant movement. Now, I'm not saying everybody that's in the Protestant Church is going to hell, okay? But what does the word Protestant come from? Well, they were protesting the Catholic Church that they came out of. Do you think there was any leftover residual baggage they brought from the Catholic Church? Yeah, there was. So, I'm just saying, I believe that there's going to be a one world religion that we're moving into, and all the churches are going to come under one umbrella. The Bible says it's going to happen. And... There's going to be a lot of different ways that there's going to be unity in the church coming. 
One of the ways is going to be this Da Vinci Code. Another way is when you have all these Marian apparitions of, of Mother Mary supposedly appearing to the Muslims and to the Hindus. Well, they're all going to come under one religious system. Um, there's so many false Christs and deceivers now, and the Bible predicted it was going to be so. You've got to really go out of your way, again, to study to show yourself approved unto God and not get swept up in that stuff. Um, the Holy Spirit living inside you will guide you in the right direction. But we need to remain humble and contrite before Him so that He can lead us and guide us. So now we go further with this. We must remember that the Roman Catholic system raised up such organizations as the Jesuits, the Knights of Columbus, the Papal Knights, and the Opus Dei to fight the Priory of Zion. Okay? When the Illumina and the Opus Dei is, is another... Uh, offshoot of the Catholic Church. And I believe the Opus Dei is attacked within the Da Vinci Code movie from what I heard right. And the Opus Dei is a real organization. I believe it's in New York City. And they're all straight from the pit of hell. So when the Illuminati's Priory of Zion presents the man that they will say will be the true physical descendant of Jesus Christ, will the final Pope endorse him and become his false prophet? It's a good point. Will he turn the hearts of one billion Catholic people to this false Messiah born after the flesh? Whew, man, I'll tell you what. That's one of the best things I've seen lately as far as what could happen. Do we know 100% for sure? No. The Bible says we see through a glass, but darkly. But, I'll tell you what. He really puts out a, a, some, some serious things to think about here. Because somebody, who better to turn the one billion Catholics to the Antichrist than the Pope himself? Pope's going to fall in line with this. He's going to fall in line with this, I'm telling you. Um, and at that point, by the time that does happen, I believe that the Catholic Church will have amalgamated, meaning blended itself with a lot of the other false religions. That it's happening already anyway. You got... You, you, you turn on Benny Hinn, or you turn on TBN with Paul and Jan Crouch, and you, you're going to always see now, every time I've turned it on, I've seen it, some Catholic priest sitting up on there on the podium with them. They're doing it all the time now. What are they doing? They're trying to basically send the message, he's the man of God, he's the man of God. Catholic Church is okay. Every time you turn on the TV, even if that, and I haven't really seen the Catholic priest, of course, I don't watch that junk, but every time I've had the, the, um, the just flipping through a channel, because I don't even watch TV at home, other than, other than, like, Christian videos. But, like, let's say in a hotel, and there's a Christian... I, I like to see what the apostasy has become. And, well, why would you do that? Lest Satan get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Okay, that's why you do it. That's, uh, is it Second or 1 Corinthians 2.11? That's where the Bible verse quote from. Because we don't want to be ignorant of his devices. Every time I've turned either TBN or, or seen Benny Hinn, in the last few years, they always have a Catholic priest on the podium with them. Always. And usually he don't say anything. He's just there. He doesn't need to say anything. All you need to see is his black black robe with his collar turned around backwards. And you know the signal's there. They're, they're, in, they're in union with us. Actually, most of the time, from what I've seen, they typically will elevate Catholic priests almost higher than themselves. They will give them more reverence than they would their fellow supposedly Christian brother or minister. They give them a special standing, from what I've seen. So, the Son of the Grail will be presented 
Now, the son of the supposedly, it should be the unholy grail, would be presented as the true Christ. The last Buddha. The last prophet of Islam. The new world, what they call avatar. Avatar, that word avatar means, I believe, like great teacher. Avatar. Um, so he's going to be the fifth Buddha. He's also going to be known as Krishna. Uh, he's going to fulfill what every religion is waiting for. All in one ball of wax. He's going to fulfill it all. He's coming. He's being prepared. The stage is being set. And I'm going to fight him to my dying death. I will. I, I, my, my goal, one of my goals as a Christian is, is to throw as gigantic of a monkey wrench into that whole work. Is it going to happen anyway? Yeah, it's going to happen anyway. It's going to happen anyway. But you know something? I want to go down fighting. I want to go down swinging. And not be afraid of what man may do unto me. And love not my life unto the death. And overcome the devil by the word of my testimony and the blood of the Lamb, like it talks about in Revelation. Does that mean I'm Mr. Big and spiritual and I'm better than... No, it doesn't mean that at all. It means I'm totally trusting in Christ to accomplish that work through me and that not of myself. Okay? It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So, these are the things we need to rely on. It's, it's, it's not because it's the Holy Spirit that lives inside us. And that, and that the Holy Spirit that lives inside us would help us to pick the battles He wants us to fight. Because you can't fight every battle. Not nowadays. There ain't no way. I, I'm so overwhelmed on the internet anymore. I'm like, what battle do you want me to fight, God? Nobody's fighting this battle hardly. If they're fighting it, they're fighting it half-heartedly. Or, or they're fighting it the wrong way. It's hard to know what to do anymore as a Christian. Because there's so many battles you can fight. Okay, so... Will all religions unite under the Son of the Flesh? It will not be long until many of these questions are going to be fully answered. It's not going to be that long anymore. We must remember that the true Lord Jesus Christ has said in John 5.43, I am come in my Father's name, and ye receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him she shall, him she, him ye shall, him ye, sh, ye, ye will receive. Okay, so they're going to come... There's going to be another that's going to come in his own name. Him you're going to receive, Jesus said. Thus the world will receive an imposter. We must also consider 1 John 4, 1-3, which says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come. And even now is already in the world. Now we have to preface that a little bit, because if you confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, then you believe also what the Bible says about him. It's not enough to say, well, yes, Jesus Christ came in the flesh and then he, he had this bloodline. No, 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 no. That's not what this is in reference to. He comes in the flesh, but he is who he says he is in the Bible. That's the, that's the parameters there. It's almost a foregone conclusion within that verse that you have to understand that that's in reference to. So, um, um, okay, so going further. Thus we know that and believe that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Not that he will come in the flesh. He has already come in the flesh. And soon he will come visibly from 
above in the power of his glorified spiritual body and not be reincarnated in a form of a physical or fleshly male descendant such as the one that will the world will receive. God help us to get this vital message out into worldwide circulation. I, I must also mention that while this movie was drawing vast crowds to the theaters, the excited demons began to manifest in other forms of related blasphemy and desecration. See, the demons are loving this. And they're real, dude! I'm sorry! The, the evil spirit world is so rejoicing over what is happening. They think we've won! And they're looking at, for the most part, the pathetic Christian remnant, whatever's there, and they're saying, Ha! Huh, you're defeated! No, they're not. I'm not defeated. In the name of Jesus Christ, I am not defeated. Period. The remnant, the true remnant of Christ isn't defeated. It may appear that way. It's not so. Remember, this is God's plan, not ours. Okay, so I'm not going to get depressed about this. No way. As the man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Okay, so don't let this get you down and make you want to go and crawl under a rock and say, Oh, woe is me. Rejoice that you've that you're one of the few on earth that's hearing the truth, because this truth is not going out to 99.99999 percent of the world population. They're not hearing what I'm telling you this day. You're not going to get it if you go into a pew in, in, into a church in America and hear it from a 501c3 corporation. They're part of the problem. They have got to go along with the plan. They're going to be used by Satan. So I'm trying to get people to see why that's so important. So we go further. Um, on the same week in the Da Vinci Code opened in theaters, the infamous entertainer Madonna opened her latest tour called Confessions. During her lewd performance of gyrations and frenzied dancing, she mounted a large lighted cross and with a crown of thorns on her head and outstretched arms, she positioned herself as if she was being crucified. This was another obvious manifestation of the grail or the female element. Remember, the grail is the female component of the, of the whole thing. Okay, The female genital reproductive organs of supposedly this holy bloodline. Now, Madonna practices the Kabbalah. She, in fact, she is the main spokesman now for the Kabbalah almost worldwide. The Jews don't like it because that's their mystic, satanic religion. That's the highest satanic and it's probably about one of the most powerful forms of witchcraft, the Kabbalah. Okay? Well, now you got all these Hollywood stars promoting it. They're doing it like crazy. Madonna is at the very, very head. She knows what she's doing here. She's, she's demonically possessed to the toenails. Okay? She knows what she's doing. After another, she's mocking Christ. And they think they can get away with it. Well, the Lord will let them have it their way for a time. He will. We'll see, though. We'll see. <laughs> Uh, you know something I, I think there's not one thing praying against this wicked these wicked works that are going on in the world I claim Psalm 64 over these people basically daily memorize Psalm 64 because I'm telling you something right now we need Psalm 64 hear my voice O God in my prayer preserve my life from the fear of the enemy hide me from the secret counsel of the wicked from the insurrection of the workers of iniquity I'm not going to go through the whole Psalm but we need to be hidden from this, so that we can we can be we can work out our own salvation, unhindered by uh, unhindered by the devil. Okay. 
Because the praying remnant on this earth right now is one of the few things that's holding back Satan from just totally wiping everybody out. Now granted, God's in control. Okay? What is he using though primarily? The true remnant of God. The body of Christ. The, the ones that are supposed to, that are called to be salt in light. Salt is a preservative. Light always exposes darkness. Okay, so that's what that's what God so chose to use. He chose to use the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Why? Because professing themselves to be wise, they became as fools. And they worshipped the creature more than the creator. That's what we're moving into. So, thus we know that and believe that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh... Not that he will come in the flesh. Okay, in other words, he came, he's only going to have to be crucified once in the flesh. He has already come in the flesh, and soon he will become visibly from above in the power of his glorified spiritual body. And not to be reincarnated in a form of a physical or a male descendant such as the one that the world will receive. God help us to get this vital message out in, in worldwide circulation. How are most of the Christians going to believe this? Because they're going to have totally at that point taken their Bibles and thrown them in the trash? Because the, the Da Vinci Code is going to convince them, Oh, we've all been lied to all these years. King James Bible's trash. And, and for the most part, even these other Bibles are pretty much trash. See, you, you, you people have been... There's, there's been a lot of secrets kept from the public that, we're, that the Antichrist is going to reveal to you over these extra-biblical books like the Gospel of Judas and the Epistle of Barnabas and the Shepherd of Hermes which are basically going to tell people to worship the beast, to give up to the beast. They're going to refer to Jesus Christ and they're already doing that in some of these Bibles as the one. Not Jesus Christ. There ain't going to be no way you can get saved out of a Bible like that. No way you can get saved. Water it down, water it down, water it down. Until there's nothing left of, of, the, of the Word of God. That's what is... Because he, he has to attack the Word. I must also mention... Okay, now hold on. Um, another event that happened just after the Da Vinci Code movie was released is the illegitimate daughter of the immensely popular actor Brad Pitt and likewise actress Angela Jolie was born. Now they had an illegitimate daughter. The child was named Shiloh which means the same thing as Messiah. That's what the word Shiloh means. The Bible talks about when Shiloh will return. Well, that's Jesus Christ. Shiloh. Did you know that that was another name for, for Jesus Christ? Shiloh. Yep. Shiloh, which means the same thing as Messiah. And it is a title that belongs only to the true Lord Jesus Christ. An offer of $5.4 million was offered for the rights to the baby's first pictures. Where are stinking priorities? Five point four million for, for a picture of their illegitimate daughter? My God bless her. I hope the little thing gets saved. You know, but it's not looking real good with parents like that. Of course God can do anything. Now on June sixth, two thousand six, also known as six six six, was a day of much occult activity. As always, the repercussions will be forthcoming. Witches and Satanists who are very different from each other. Now that's an interesting statement, isn't it? <coughs> They're different from each other in how they practice their craft. That's what they refer to it as, the craft. Okay? When you see TV shows labeled the craft... They're not talking about underwater basket weaving or or doing crafts in you know uh, you know yeah they're not talking about that they're they're talking about the craft is witchcraft okay 
but it's practiced in different ways. Just like different religions are practiced in different ways. Okay? So, witches and Satanists, who are very different from each other, celebrated that day, um, that day of three sixes in various ways. Let's look at some of the ways they celebrated 666. About 60 miles west of Detroit, Michigan, I, I, I just spoke in Detroit, Michigan at, at the uh, conference I was at. I, I, I wish I would have asked them about that. I was, in fact, I was more well received in Detroit, Michigan than I was anywhere. I remember the crowd there; they were great. Um, about 60 miles west of Detroit, Michigan, is a small town called Hell. Hell, that's the name of the town. Okay. On the day 666, people came from thousands of miles away to, to, to visit Hell, Michigan. Now, this is documented. What I'm reading you not right here. You're not going to believe this. On that day of the beast, the mayor of Hell, Michigan, John Coloni, who also owns a souvenir shop, had this to say, quote, I've got 666 t-shirts and mugs. I'm only ordering 666 of the items, so once they're gone, that's it. Everyone who comes will get a letter of authenticity saying you've celebrated 666 in hell. The items are all sold for $6.66 a piece. Oh. Special gates were also set up for that occasion that were known as the gates of hell. Oh. The item, uh, some may take this all as a joke, but it is not funny. And those who are involved in the occult, who are many, take it very seriously, as does Satan himself. All who were involved have cursed themselves. Yeah, you're cursed. Okay, so... We've got this taking place in hell, Michigan. On that same day, then, on 666, Hollywood re released two Antichrist movies. One was a remake of The Omen which is about a man who is a political figure who realizes that his adopted infant son, Damien, who has a 666 birthmark on his skull, is the reincarnation of Satan. Death begins to surround him everywhere. Now, the omen was originally made in, uh, I think the 70s. I remember watching it as a kid. You talk about a... Yes, I watched it as a kid. Yes. And um, you talk about a demonic movie. The thing I remember from that movie that always struck me, and I've never been able to forget, is there was, they always have a Catholic priest in these movies. And the Catholic priests always usually end up being very inept to, to, be able to be able to ultimately battle the devil, which is actually true. Because they are of the devil, so how can they battle the devil? If a kingdom is divided against itself, how can it stand? Jesus even said that. So, Basically, in the movie I can remember, and I don't know how this movie is going to play out, but I can remember in that movie that there was a scene where there was this one Catholic priest who was like the main one that was, um, or one of the main ones that had battled Satan. And he had, in this room, he had taken all the pages from the Bible, and the roof and the walls, everything, were coated in Bible pages. Because... He believed, and it was, and it actually ended up being true in the movie, that if there was one little spot where Satan could get in, he'd come in. I mean, the guy spent all of his days in probably saying re repetitive prayers, and prayers to Mary, and all these other things. Now, I'm trying to remember from 20 years ago watching this movie. But I, it always stuck with me, because it was almost as though, that's how they portrayed the church. You know, 
there's no chance, there's no... And then ultimately, I can remember this one scene where this evil spirit got into the rooms despite all of the, this priest's best efforts and killed the guy, even with all this other stuff. So, <laughs> I laugh at that. I, I, I you know, that, that's actually the exact opposite of what it is. But that's how Satan would like Christians to think. That even a, a big man of God, like a priest, really has no chance, you know. Who knows what this omen will be like? I can't even imagine. And I don't advise anybody go see these blasphemous movies because when you go and watch these things, you're opening yourself up to the spirits that are, that are working through these movies. I used to love horror movies when I was growing up. You know what? I was about half demon-possessed I like horror movies so much. I loved to see when people got killed. I did! Now the Bible says... Confess your faults one toward another. Well, I just confessed a fault, okay? Why did I like that? Well, because I, the, 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 the evil spirits that were influencing me were moving me to that direction, okay? I don't watch the junk anymore. I don't like it anymore, okay? I used to when I was a kid. It's how I was brought up. I used to like heavy metal music. Had the, the, the heaviest melody that you could possibly imagine, I listened to it. Iron Maiden, Ozzy Osbourne, um, um, they would sick, sing about 666, The Number of the Beast, all I loved it all. Horror movies, all that stuff. But see, that's what happens. When you get into that, Satan will always take, try to take you further into it. If you're, if you're, and now, a lot of people don't even get into that, but I was, because I was of the impression that if I was going to do something, I was going to go all the way. Well, I did the same thing with the satanic stuff as I'm, as I'm trying to do right now, except God's turned all that effort around and now He's using it toward this. I hate to say it, but that's the case. You know, It's, it's a terrible thing. But, but then again, I have a very unique perspective upon which I can read this stuff and, and hearken back to those days when that, those were the thoughts that occupied my mind. Am I proud of them? Am I glorying in them? No, I'm not glorying in them. I don't even bring it up very much. But, maybe I'll be able to help somebody in the future that maybe has had the same problem. Because I've been there and walked in, this, in those shoes. Okay, And that's why uh, Jesus will save many people out of the depths of Satan. You know, there was whores and prostitutes that he saved. There was tax collectors that he, that he saved. There, there, was, there was drunkards that he saved. Well, those guys were in the depths of Satan too. Quite honestly, those a lot of times are the people that will get saved beyond, beyond that because if you're self-righteous and you think that you're, you're uh, in need of nothing, well, that's pride and it's very hard for a proud person to ever get saved. At least if you're a drunk, you know you're a drunk. Or if you're a prostitute, you know you're a prostitute or a whore. Well, you, you, you know... You know you're that. Well, hopefully you can you can do that. Yes. <clears throat> um, remember the hotel about uh, Okay, so now another movie that was released on 666 is called The Beast. Now these are all movies that were released on 666. I mean, how flagrant or blatant can you get? The story's about... Now listen to this one. This was released on 666. The story's about fundamental Christian pastor who disappears after he stumbles across incontrolled incontrovertible factual evidence that Christ never existed. In searching for him, his daughter Danielle also has to combat a group. They have to combat a group of fundamentalist Christians who are trying to suppress the truth 
of the non-existence of Christ and save their religion. So in other words, the, the, the clear message here is that Christ never existed and we got these terrible fundamental Christians who are just trying to brainwash everybody. That's the message they're sending. Sadly, thebeastmovie.com is also selling a self-inking rubber stamp for moviegoers so that they can stamp 666 Mark of the Beast on their bodies. Oh, my now this is a stamp you can buy. The stamp which is good for 10,000 impressions sells for $6.66. You can buy it off their website. The advertisement says, quote, Wear the mark. Wear the mark on your forehead or right hand. Last for 10,000 impressions. Safe and fun. Great for all ages. Stamp your friends. <laughs> I ain't buying one either. That's how bad it's getting. That's how bad it's got. Let's go further. Illegal aliens in the Mark of the Beast. It has been more than a month since the nationwide protest march by illegal aliens. The problems with illegal aliens, however, have grown continually worse. And they're going to keep growing worse. Recently, the San Francisco Chronicle reported that experts are now saying that this is one of the largest... I'll say exodus of illegal aliens in modern history... Approximately 10% of Mexico's population is now living in the United States. 10% of Mexico's living here. Pretty much illegally. Did you see all the um, Mexicans that were in Haiti? Yeah. Okay, okay, so not including the many illegal aliens from Central America. We're not even counting those. See, what they do, what, what President Vicente Fox said, is all these illegal aliens that are migrating from Ecuador and Colombia and all these other places, he just lets them come through Mexico. He says, I'll let you come through Mexico, but you're not staying in Mexico. You're going up north and sending your money back. Because that's what they're doing. Okay? Which is another way, well, I'm going to talk about that right now, actually. So now, 15% of Mexico's entire labor force now work in the United States. 50% of their entire labor force... One of, every, one of every seven Mexican workers migrates to the United States. It has been said that illegal aliens from Mexico have been a boost to the U.S. economy, but the opposite is true. It's a lie straight from the pit of hell. You will notice that illegal workers in droves at the post offices buying money orders and sending vast amounts of money out of the country. That's what they're doing. They're sending it back. A vast river of what they call migra-dollars, migrating means the dollars, the American dollars are migrating out of the country, are flowing from the United States into Mexico. According to Arthur Valzuela, director of the Center for Latin American Studies at Georgetown University, the money Mexican migrants send home almost equals the U.S. foreign age budget for the entire world. That's how much money is going back there. In fact, it is a fact that illegal entry into this country has traditionally been a serious crime. The White House and Bush administration has now equated that offense with receiving a speeding ticket coming into this country illegally. Try that in another country. Try, try to go to another country illegally and see what happens to you. They ain't going to treat it as a speeding ticket. White House Press Secretary Tony Snow said, quote, if you had a traffic ticket and you paid it, you're not, a f you're not forever a speeder, are you? Tony Snow, an illuminist, 
meaning a member of the Illuminati and the Council of Foreign Relations member, is equating a felony to a traffic violation. In other words, he's, creating, he's equating the felony of being an illegal alien with a traffic ticket. And once you pay the traffic ticket, it's done. Well, that's how they're viewing illegal aliens. Well, you come in, we'll slap you on the wrist, a little fake slap on the wrist, and now your, your debt's paid, you can stay, you can have all your babies, and, and, and you can go on welfare, and you can receive all the benefits of, of Social Security and welfare and all these other things, just have more babies. We, we couldn't possibly get rid of them, though, because who would pick our tomatoes? Oh, that would be a fate worse than death. If we didn't have anybody to pick our tomatoes, we just shut down. That's what the, that's the impression they're sending. It's pathetic. So, furthermore, on the 18th day of May 2006, the United States Senate voted to allow illegal aliens to to collect Social Security benefits based on past illegal employment. They're illegal. They've been employed illegally, but they're going to let them collect Social Security. Even if the job was obtained through forced, forged or stolen documents. And that's the only way they can get a job. But they're going to give them Social Security too. The vote was 50 to 49. Senator Jim DeMint, a South Carolina Republican, said, quote, It makes no sense to reward millions of illegal Im- immigrants for criminal behavior while our Social Security system is already in crisis. You might as well just say this. Social Security is as good as gone. Good as gone, I'm telling you. It's, it's gone just from the baby boomers who are maturing now from that time because it's tapped out. One of the main reasons that it's going to be tapped out is because we aborted over 40-some million children starting at that time force. What if those, those 40 million were in the workforce right now? Would we need all these illegal aliens to do all these other things? No, we wouldn't. Would the blood of the innocents cry out from the land? No, it wouldn't. Would America be a totally different place as a result of that? Yes, I believe it would, because all that innocent blood's not crying out from the land. Now, does that mean that the Bible's not going to happen? Grant, I'm giving a, I'm posing the scenario. Did it happen? No. But had it happened, yes, things would be different, okay? But it didn't. So, because you've got all these other people that would normally be paying into Social Security, and I don't agree with Social Security anyway, there's a lot of satanic things about Social Security that we could get into as a totally separate talk, but had we had this extra 40, 45 million paying into Social Security right now, the baby boomers could retire and there would still be money left in that, but the way it stands right now, it's, it's, it's bankrupt and bust. Now they're going to try to accelerate Social Security going bankrupt and bust by giving these benefits to the illegal aliens. So, it's like the old expression, stick a fork in and it's done. It's done. We, and this is referenced, what I just read you. We know that this is part of the Illuminati blueprint to force the economic merger of United States and Mexico. This is another major step toward a one world government. It happened in Europe with the Euro. So, watch for a new currency called the Amero. That's where it's going to. We're going to have a new currency called the Amero. It's going to be Mexican... Canada, Canadian, and um, uh, United States currency all in one. The economists are already working on it, but our economy must first absorb the weak Mexican peso. See, that's what we're doing right now. We're absorbing all of the weak corruption from Mexico into our society through the illegal aliens. Pretty soon, they're, they're just going to say, we're going we're to uh, throw down the borders, 
and we're just going to have one big state from Canada to Mexico, and we're going to have to absorb all the weak corruption from Mexico, which is going to even further weaken our country. But that's what they want. They're trying to kill the middle class in this country. So that's why I'm encouraging people now, if they've got any method or means, get out of all debt you can, liquidate whatever you have got, put it in gold and silver, and, and, and do whatever you got to do. But at least if it's in gold and silver, it's going to be safe. And don't do it in such a way where the gold and silver is going to be tracked. Okay? Don't go up online and then purchase gold and silver where they could come back and say you did this. So anyway, we are now beginning to understand another reason why all this is happening. Why our government has intentionally allowed so many millions of illegal aliens to come into this country. On May 25, 2006, New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg called for a plan that would establish a DNA database to track and verify all legal U.S. workers. Hmm, a DNA database. Wonder what that could be. Well, let's look at this. On June 1st, 2006, Scott Silverman, CEO of the Verachip Corporation, announced that he is working with the Bush administration to implant radio frequency identifier, or RFID, tracking chips in the flesh of all illegal aliens who will be given guest work status. Now, this is like the Mark of the Beast. I'm not saying it is the Mark of the Beast, but it's essentially the forerunner to the Mark of the Beast. They're going to be implanting all these illegal aliens. Now, they let them all in. They let them all in. Oh, well, we, we, can't, we can't guard our borders. We're just too inept. Oh, but we can have standing armies in other countries, like Iran and Iraq, okay, because we're trying to get their oil and control those, those situations. But we, we don't have enough people to... Uh, we can't keep the, the bad illegal aliens out. No, we can't, we can't deal with that. So they created the problem. They let all these people in. Now they're going to be implanting them with these trackable microchips. That's going to be how they're conditioning us to accept the mark. One of the ways. One of the, one of the various ways. Very Chip is also reportedly working with the Pentagon to implant chips in all military personnel. So now the military people are going to get chipped. Well, the Bible said it was going to happen. And you figure it's not just going to happen one of these days where all of a sudden Satan's going to come and say, okay, everybody's got to take a mark on the right hand or forehead to buy or sell. No, there's going to be a progression of events that leads up to that. Because if he just did it all at once, people would reject it. But if it's incremental, people will accept it. One strange twist of the events that occurred here in Wisconsin on May 31st, Governor Jim Doyle signed a legislation that will make it illegal in the state of Wisconsin to force anyone to be implanted with a microchip. Wisconsin is the only state in the Union where it is now illegal. So in other words, every other state of the Union, it's... it's it's legal to be implanted with microchips. I suspect that Governor Doyle did this because of his number one political enemy is former Wisconsin Governor Tommy Thompson, who is also now president, who is also President Bush's Health and Human Services Secretary during his first term. Tommy Thompson now works for Verichip. So he's working for the company, Verichip, who is, who is going to be probably responsible for, for the mark of the beast. Okay? History reveals in the past 3,500 3, years there has only been about 230 years of peace throughout the world. That's not too good. Since the formation of the United Nations in 1945, which was set up on the premise of ensuring everlasting peace, there has never been a moment of peace. Iran is accelerating its nuclear program, and the U.S. Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice continues to threaten Iran and warn them that they do not have much time. 
The whole Middle East is getting ready to explode. The entire Muslim world is becoming more and more agitated. It is interesting to note that the four horses of Revelation are white, red, black, and green. The word pale is also taken from the Greek word koloros, or pale green. These four colors are, the fo are found in the seven flags of the Arab nations. Iraq, Jordan, Kuwait, Sudan, Syria, United Arab Emirates, and Yemen. These colors are said to stand for Arab unity. These are the other Muslim nations. These and other Muslim nations are looking on amazement as the U.S. military personnel intentionally butcher innocent civilians, including women and children. And this is going on. Our military personnel are butchering uh, women and children over there. I've seen a lot of reports that aren't making it to the nightly news. British newspapers have photographic um, have photographic evidence of numerous such events. CNN reported on May 20th that according to the Associated Press, hundreds of soldiers that are known to be mentally ill are being sent to Iraq. Isn't that great? They're mentally, they're nuts in the head. Now, our government, our country is so satanic at this point, why would you want to be in the military? I mean, I'm sorry, but if you're, if you're working side by side with an evil satanic force, don't you think it may influence you toward evil in the end? I think so. Of the British army who have been deployed to Iraq, a whopping 8,600 troops, the equivalent of one and one-half infantry battalions, have gone absent without leave since 2003. 8,600 troops from the British people alone have went what they call AWOL? Why is that? 1,000 of them are still on the run. That's unbelievable. I never heard anything like that in a war. They're refusing to fight in this insane war. And speaking of insanity and double cross, an Australian newspaper reported May 13, 2006, that the Pentagon has secretly shipped tens of thousands of small weapons from Bosnia to Iraq in the past two years using a web of private companies. Okay, so the Pentagon has shipped, secretly shipped, tens of thousands of small weapons from Bosnia to then Iraq in the past two years. Why, why would they want to do that? Amnesty International has reported that at least 200,000 Kajnikov rifles, assault rifles, left Bosnia for Iraq with the stated intent that they were for the new Iraqi government army. But they did not receive them, and no one seems to know what happened to the weapons. Meanwhile, the insurgent Iraqis grow stronger. I would not be, it would not be the first time we supplied our own enemies while we are fighting them. Happens in every single war. Every single war. Remember Vietnam, when the same standard oil company trucks came out to Hanoi to supply both fuel for both sides? Standard oil. Do it all the time. That's why they, that's why they create wars. Order out of chaos is there is there in, in the the munitions and all of the unbelievable profiteering that's made on wars by these elite globalist satanic straight from the pit of hell elite. They feed both sides of the war machine. They feed both sides and they make a killing, and people are killed, which to them are sacrifices to Satan. People that die in war to them are sacrifices toward their god Satan. So they're they're supplying both sides, getting rich in the process, and a whole bunch of people are dying. And they're using that to basically bring about ultimate control of given populations and things like that, because that's what war always brings about. Controlled chaos brings about control in the very end. The Bush family were Hitler's bankers. Well, yeah, the Bush family were Hitler's bankers. So, you know, Prescott Bush, Bush's great 
knows a grandfather, I guess. He was good buddies with, with the communistic Russians and, and, and a lot of the um, uh, Arm and Hammer and a lot of the people that were um, communists. And they and, and it's one it's two same it's two sides of the same slimy coin these people are working on. They make you think that we're Democrat and we're Republican, and it's not. It's a lie. That's a, that's a diversion for everybody to believe, oh, it's Democrat versus Republican. It's not. They're all on the same side. They just want you to think they're against one another. Because it gets you something to focus on. Oh, it's Democrat. It's Republican. And meanwhile, they're, they're railroading all this legislation through. And, there's, and the Satan's laughing. He thinks it's hilarious. Um, here in the United States, strange things are happening on... Oh, no, hold on. Let me see here. Okay, yeah. On Monday, June 19th, there was 13 days after, after 666, 4,000 federal workers from more than 50 agencies will be going to classified emergency facilities stretching from Maryland to Virginia suburbs in the foothills of the Allegheny Mountains. They are taking to the underground bunkers in an evacuation drill that is described as, quote, the largest continuity of government exercise ever conducted. A drill intended to prepare U.S. government for an, e for an event even more catastrophic than September 11th attacks. When I saw this, um, when I saw this, I was reminded of Revelation 6:15 through 17, which reads, "And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man, hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains." And said to the rock, mountains and the rocks, "Fall on us and hide us from the face." Of them that sitteth, of, of him that sitteth on the throne, and the wrath of the Lamb, from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? Bible prophecy is being fulfilled before our very eyes. Let it here be noted that Israeli Prime Minister Ehud Omer made a speech before U.S. Congress on May 24, 2006, 13 days before 666. Omen received standing ovations in occult numerology. 18, Omen received 18 standing ovations. Now in occult numerology, 18 is 6 plus 6 plus 6, the number of the beast. Further, the, furthermore, the date 666 is exactly 39 years to the day from the Six-Day War when Old Jerusalem was captured by the Israelis in 1967. The number 39 is the occult number of the Triple Thirteen which is the triumphal occult power. It is also interesting to note that Mr. Omer stated that his country is willing to divide Jerusalem. Now, I said all that to say that. The statement reminded me of Revelation 16:19, which came and says, And the great city was divided in three parts. And the cities of the nations fell, and, the great, and great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her cup and the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Okay, so... As the time of um, the Lord Jesus draws ever near, we who are true Christians understand that the oppressiveness of the beast system of the Antichrist also increases. We do not fear, however, because our victory is certain. Revelation 12, 11-12 tells, tells us of this great victory. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, 
and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he hath known that he hath but a short time. That's why he's doing all this. He, just, he knows he's got a short time. He's got he's to do something. We have now learned that the United Nations is working to make homeschooling illegal in America. And I put out an email on this, a whole email. Michael Ferris, chairman of the General Council of Homeschool Legal Defense Association, stated that the United Nations Convention on the Rights of the Child could be binding on the people of the United States. Currently, the United States is virtually the only nation in the world where this United Nations treaty is not yet binding. Article 13 of this treaty subjects parents to prosecution if they attempt to prevent their children from interacting with any material that parents deem, object deem objectionable. So in other words, they have the right to brainwash your kids and you can't do a thing about it. <laughs> Article 14 of this treaty allows children to object to any religious training. Article 15 allows children the right to, to associate with any person even if the parents object. We know that the Almighty has the final word regarding this. We also know that March 7th, President George Bush signed an executive order to establish a Center for Faith-Based and Community Initiatives at the Department of Homeland Security. In short, this department will be used to regulate all churches that are registered with the federal government. How are they registered? Through 501c3 corporations and under the IRS? That's why I'm so against this. Because ultimately I see where it's leading in the end. I see where it's leading and to monitor their activities. And, as I've said before, they're going to be, there was a pastor that went to one of these initiative meetings and came back and reported that basically the churches are going to be used for forced, forced vaccinations, to brainwash the masses, to, to appease and placate the church, to basically say, well, this is of God, even though it's of Satan. The churches are actually going to be used for the very satanic purposes that they're supposedly supposed to be against. They're going to be used by the government for these things. We know that the true church of Jesus Christ is governed from heaven. For the Lord Jesus himself said, My kingdom is not of this world. Strange and unusual signs of our creation are everywhere, both on earth and in space. Astronomers are now reporting that galaxy clusters are now having much higher than their supernova yields. Um, supernova. It's like a... I forget exactly what it means, but it's it's a it's a very heavy duty astrological sign. In other words, an unusual number of stars are exploding. Oh, that's a supernova. On Earth, freak tornadoes have hit Ireland and Bahamas, where tornadoes are not generally seen. The residents of these areas were shocked. Volcanoes have been erupting from Indonesia to the to Ecuador. On May 27, 2006, a killer earthquake hit Indonesia. The magnitude of the quake was 6.2, and it initially left seven. 170,000 people dead. That's a lot. We're missing. A cab driver who survived the quake said buildings shook like pendulums. He said, I thought it was Armageddon. On May 25, 2006, the Associated Press reported that the deserts are expanding. Satellite photos revealed that major deserts on Earth are rapidly expanding. The Sahara Desert is moving ever closer to the Mediterranean Sea. Another amazing sign appeared in the sky just after 666. For hundreds of miles over the Idaho-Washington border, the sky lighted up in broad daylight as seven colors of the spectrum appeared not as a rainbow, but as leaping and pulsating tongues of brilliant fire. The authorities called it a circumhorizon arc in its rarest form. Dr. Jonathan Fox of the U.S. National Weather Service of Spokane, Washington, said it was 
far more spectacular than the northern lights. The awesome display lasted for about an hour. So that's that's uh, the last trumpet newsletter. Um, I'm going to just get into another little study here, and then we'll go ahead and end it out for today. Uh, this is from David Cloud of Fundamental Baptist Services, and it was entitled "All Things Are Lawful Unto Me." I sent this out to my whole email list. I thought it, it, I hate to keep hitting these points over and over again, but I don't see it happening in the church. So it's it's almost as though somebody's got a crowd against this stuff because it's not being preached on. First Corinthians six twelve through thirteen says, "All things are lawful unto me, but not all things are expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of anything of any meats for the belly and belly for the meats. But God shall, but God shall destroy them both." Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. 1 Corinthians 10, 23-24 says, All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but not. But all things edify not. Let no man seek his own, but let every man another's wealth. But every man another's wealth. These verses are frequently misused today by those who desire liberty to fulfill their carnal desires. These would have us believe that the Apostle Paul is saying that the Christian has liberty to wear modest clothing, to watch indecent movies, to go to the beach half-naked, to listen to wicked rock music, and to fellowship with anyone who says he loves Jesus, regardless of his doctrinal beliefs. Is that what the Holy Spirit, through Paul, meant by the statement, all things are lawful unto me? By no means. Obviously, there are limitations on a Christian's liberty. The New Testament tells us, in fact, he put great limits on our liberty. We are to not to commit fornication. That's talked about in 1 Corinthians 6, 16-18, and 1 Thessalonians 6, 3-6. Through, through Nor are we to be involved with any form of uncleanness. That's 1 Thessalonians 4, 7. Nor to fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Ephesians 5, 11. Nor to be drunk with wine. Ephesians 5, 18 nor to allow any corrupt communication to proceed out of our mouths, Ephesians 4.29, nor to allow any filthiness of the flesh of the Spirit, 2 Corinthians 7.1, nor to be involved in anything which even has the appearance of evil, 1 Thessalonians 5.22, nor to love the things that are in the world, 1 John 2.15-17, nor to be friends with the world, James 4.4, which is basically what most Christians are, they're buddies with the world, the Bible says that if you're friends with the world, that you're in enmity with God. That means you're at war with God. And that he that loveth the world, loveth, um, hath not the love of the Father. Nor to dress immodestly, 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy 2.9, nor also to be a stumbling block before your brother, so don't do anything that your brother would, would conceive as a stumbling block. Um, whether you perceive that as wrong or right, don't, don't, don't do it because you don't want to be a stumbling block before him. What then did the Apostle mean? He meant that the Christian has now been set free by the blood of Christ, free from the wages of sin, free from the condemnation of the law, free from the ceremonies of the Mosaic Covenant, but not free to sin. Not free to do anything which is not expedient or edifying. He explains himself in both passages. In 1 Corinthians 6, 12-13, which we just read, he uses the example of eating meat. 
in 1 Corinthians 8, 1 through 13, and 10 through 23 through 28, he uses the example of eating things which have been offered to idols. In all such thing, the Christian is free. There are no dietary restrictions upon the New Testament Christian as there was under the Mosaic Law. I will have to say, no, I don't believe that, because the Bible does say that we're not supposed to eat anything that's strangled or that has blood in the meat. Okay, now I still don't think we should eat fat. Because that was a perpetual covenant given to the Jews. They said it was perpetual, never ending. Now, we can eat fat, but it's not healthy for us to eat fat. Now, blood, we're not supposed to eat, period, flat out. And that's clearly said in Acts. It says not eating, not eating anything with blood or things strangled. And the reason you wouldn't want to eat something that's, that's strangled is because it would have the blood in the meat. Because if you strangle something, then the blood's still in the meat. If you cut the throat and let it drain out like you should, then the meat's, the blood's out of the meat, to a certain extent. Yeah. Okay, so, um, let's see here. Um, so, after I said that, then we do not have to fear idols. We know that they are nothing. Okay, but you also want to know the demonic power behind a particular idol. The, the thing, if I ever see an idol like one of those Mother Mary statues, first thing I want to do is destroy them, and I don't, but that's what I'd like to do. Because there's spirits associated with those demonic idols. There's spirits that camp out there, and they influence whatever, wherever that idol is at. You know, I, I was, the other day I went over to, um, She's supposedly saved Christian's house, and I give her this big article on the hexagram because I saw her wearing one. Go over to her house. She's actually got the hexagram, a big and a hexagram, six-pointed star, hex meaning curse, the most highest symbol of witchcraft. She's got a big gigantic hexagram on her like rock garden out front, where she's got bricks laid, where there's a big, I mean, a big hexagram. And I'm thinking you put a curse on your whole land doing that. Oh, but I'm just being a good Christian. I'm being a messianic Christian. Whatever. We're not supposed to go back to that star of Remphan, which is exactly what that is. It's satanic to the core. It's straight from the pit of hell. And if you have any doubts about that, please email me, because I will load your boat on how satanic that structure actually is. Or that, or that symbol. Um, so... Um, this is the type of thing Paul is referring to in the interpretation of his plan that we allow him to explain himself and refrain from putting strange meanings of words which would fill the Bible with contradiction. Paul addresses the exact same thing in Romans chapter 14. The Christian is free from the laws about eating and keeping holy days. Exactly. Okay? Now also, if you want to see more about that, go to Galatians and go to Hebrews and read those two books thoroughly and reread them if you must. I would say that totally blows the whole messianic Hebrew roots movement out of the water, which is permeating Christianity like crazy. So it says, keeping of holy days and about eating. Now, I will say the proviso there is not eating anything strangled or with blood. And I would also stay away from eating fat. I don't want to do that either. Um, we are not to judge one another in these matters. This does not mean we are not to judge anything and that we are free to do whatever we please. Such a philosophy is obviously contrary to the entire tenor of the New Testament writings, as it is an appalling perversion of these passages. In the two passages 
in Corinthians that we've just read, Paul gives forecasts to determine whether the Christian should allow certain things in their life. Number one, these are the tests that a Christian should ask themselves about allowing something into their life, whether they're currently doing it or whether they're, whether they're pondering doing it. Number one, does it bring me under its power? Does it bring me under its power? Am I under the power of this thing? Is my life revolving around the power of whatever I am bringing in? Is it expedient? Which is a kind of a little bit harder to, to define. Is it expedient? Expedient usually means moving forth in a quick way. In other words, does it bring me forth? Does it bring me closer to God in a quick way? Is, is, it, is, is it bringing me expediently toward the Lord? Does it edify? Does it edify me? And does it edify those that may be watching me do this? Does it edify? Four. Does it help or hinder my fellow man? Does it cause my fellow man to stumble? So these are things, these are, these are tests. If we're unsure about something that we're doing, these are, these are things to look at. Okay, is this, is this thing doing this to me? Or, or how is it being presented to the thing? Again, these are tests which are applied not to, not to simple things which are already forbidden to the Christian, but to things the Bible does not specifically address. The sincere application of these tests to things commonly allowed in the world of popular Christianity today would put a stop to many practices. Rock music, under this guise, especially Christian rock, does not bring, uh, does bring people under its power. Rock music does. It does not spiritually edify. It is not influ- It is influenced by demons, and so is Christian rock. A simple study of the, of the history of rock music will confirm this, and it is not therefore expedient for the Christian who is instructed to be sober and vigilant against the wiles of the devil. It appears to the flesh which the Christian is supposed to crucify. Um, that's another test. Does it, is, it, is it crucifying your flesh or is it giving in to your flesh? Are, are, are you doing something that your flesh wants you to just continually... And I don't mean something like eating, where we've got to do that. Pretty, I'm talking about things that are, of course, you, you want to consider what kind of food you're putting in your body, because that could also be a form of feeding the flesh in a demonic way. Um, uh, let's see here. It, appeal, it appeals to the flesh which the Christian is supposed to crucify in modest clothing, such as shorts and bathing suits does hinder our fellow man by putting before him a temptation to sin in his thought life. Most women that walk around dressed like whores think as though, well, it's their problem if they have... No, it's not. You're the one that got in those clothes in the first place. You're the one that knew exactly what you were doing when you put those clothes on. And don't tell me you didn't, because there's no excuse for it. Okay? This could also apply to a man. Okay, so, when you stand before God, none of this is going to hold up. Um, so, you put, you put temptations to sin in his thought life, particularly a woman dressing immodestly before a man. It does not edify those who see them clothed in such a fashion. It does cause others to stumble. Ecumenical relationships between those who believe sound New Testament doctrine and those who do not. In other words, are you being unequally yoked together with unbelievers and, and buddying buddy with these people? Um, what does this do? It hinders my fellow man and causes him to stumble by confusing him about what true and false 
what is true and what is false about Christianity. By giving him the impression that doctrine is not important, such relationships are not edifying because they weaken the believer's spiritual discernment and the zeal for faith once delivered to the saints. The Bible says we have liberty in Christ, liberty from eternal condemnation, liberty to serve Christ and to enjoy our unspeakably wonderful salvation in Christ, but not liberty to sin, not liberty to do whatever we please in our lives, not liberty to do anything which is not expedient or edifying. The Apostle Paul has such a low view of personal liberty that he was willing to forgo eating meat for the rest of his life if he thought that such a way of eating would offend his brother or cause his brother to stumble in that way. That's based on 1 Corinthians 8.13. He did not have the idea that he was in the world to live as he pleased. Contrast this view of Christian liberty with what is so popular today. Those who, those who are consumed with their liberty will not forego even, even highly questionable things for the sake of glorifying Christ and edifying their fellow man. See, when, when you get into this mindset, you just keep getting worse and worse and worse. When confronted with, with such things, they, be, they, begin, they become puffed up and lashed out against, the, against a strong man they call legalism. Oh, you're being legalistic. You know, you're trying to bring me into bondage. Um, the contemporary philosophy that a believer is free in any absolute sense, free to listen to whatever music he desires, free to dress as he pleases, free to watch movies as he pleases, etc., is a trap and a slippery slope. Once you've begun to focus on your liberty, where do you stop? We have seen liberty, we, we have repeatedly seen that there is no stopping. Those who enter this path of liberty are on, those that are on the path of liberty are on a backward, downward slide. At first women fought for liberty to wear loose pants, but soon they're wearing tight pants. They fight for liberty to wear loose shorts, but not, soon they're wearing shorter and shorter, tighter shorts. They want liberty to miss some church services. But they soon are missing most of them. Well, now I would have to say in regard to that, you know, it depends what church you're going to. Okay, because most churches aren't even a church in God's eyes anymore. They want the liberty to listen to jazzy praise music, but they end up loving contemporary hard rock. They want the liberty to watch some questionable videos, but soon they are watching R-rated ones. They want the liberty to fellowship with those who are, quote, evangelical, but soon they are fellowshipping even with those who have a false gospel. Or at least they are sympathetic with and defensive of those they are, whom they are fellowshipping. You do not lose anything whatsoever by holding the strictest line of Christian standards in the present evil world, but you will have much to lose if you loosen your standards. For brethren, you have not been called, have been, for brethren, you have been called into liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. But by love serve one another. And the Bible also says, Should we sin that grace may be abound? God forbid! It's another thing the Bible says. As free, not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are servants of corruption. See, that's the big lie of these people that promise liberty. 2 Peter 2.19 I'm just going to go there real quick. 2 Peter 2.19 and finish this out with that. Second Peter 2.19 Um...
let's just start at verse 10. But chiefly them that walk after the flesh of the lust of uncleanness and despise government, um, presumptuous are they self-willed. Now again, is this government just referring to any government? Okay, is it, is it referring to ungodly government that's against God? No, it's not. Presumptuous are they self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Now, I believe this is all in reference anyway to the spiritual government. Okay? Whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not really accusations against them before the Lord. Okay? But as natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of things that they understand not, and shall utterly perish in their own corruption. And shall receive the reward of unrighteousness. Now there's a reward of unrighteousness that you can, you, you can get after, in the hereafter. As they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime, spots are they, blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you. So it sounds like people that are in the church to me. Okay, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you? They count it pleasure to ride in the daytime? Having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin. They can't cease from sin, these people. Beguiling, meaning they can allure you in, in things. Beguiling unstable souls. Remember, the, um, the uh, unrighteous man is unstable in all... A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. They're unstable souls. And heart having exercised with covetous practices, cursed children, which have forsaken the right way and have gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bosal, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. What's their motivation? Money. But was rebuked for his iniquity, the dumb ass speaking the man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with the tempest, to whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak... Now these, what these are, these are tares in the church. What we're talking about here. These are tares. These are, these are, this is evidence. This is something you should look for. In a tear that calls themselves a Christian. Because it sounds to me as though these are people within the church. It says, while they feast with you. If they're feasting with you, they're tares in the church. Because you're not even supposed to eat with, with such an one that does these things. But see, they're deceiving. They're living a double life. They've forsaken the right way. They've gone after Balaam. Why? For money. For filthy lucre. They're wells without water. Clouds that are carried with the tempest. To whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lusts of the flesh. Through much wantonness, those that were clean escape from them who live in air. They speak great swelling, word, swelling words of vanity. They're also flatterers. Many times, if, if it serves them right, they beguile people through the lusts of the flesh. While they promise them liberty, okay, while they promise them, see, that's what they always promise, they promise liberty. Well, that's the basis for most religions. They promise them things that they can't deliver on. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are servants of corruption. For whom... A man is overcome of the same he has brought into bondage. So they're servants of corruption. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world, through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are, they are again entangled therein and overcome. They have to be entangled and overcome. The latter end is worse 
than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them, according to the true proverb, the dog is returned to his own vomit again, and the sow that had washed into the wallowing in the mire. So you better be real careful if you're a Christian, and you've gone back into the weak and beggarly elements of the world, because the Bible talks about here, that um, um, your latter end will be, be, will be worse than your beginning that it would be better for you to have never known the way of righteousness than to have known it and to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. And the, and the, and the uh, analogy here is the dog returning to his own vomit. What is the end of this person who says they're a Christian and goes back to the weak and beggarly elements? Most of them said they're Christian and they never left it to begin with. They never left it to begin with. What, what does the Bible proclaim? Is there, well, they're cursed children. Um, it says that whom the blackness of, whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever. They're going to hell. Period. And that if you know these things, and you return back to the weak and beggar limb. And I'm not talking God doesn't give these people time to repent. I'm not talking about that. But what if you don't? What if you don't? The Bible says in Hebrews uh, 10.38, it says, Now the just shall live by faith, but any man that draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back into perdition. What's perdition mean? Damnation. But of them that believe to the saving of the soul. If you truly, truly, truly get saved, you're not going to draw back into perdition. The Bible says it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. So, you know, it had been better for them had they not known the way of righteousness. For if they sin willfully after they have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. You're an adversary at that point. Fiery indignation? Well, that doesn't sound like heaven to me. He that, he that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. How much more sore punishment suppose ye, so ye be thought worthy, who hath trodden under the foot the Son of God. This is about rejecting Jesus Christ ultimately. And hath counted the blood of the covenant, wherewith he was sanctified, an unholy thing, and hath done despite under the Spirit of grace. So I'm going to go ahead and end there. And um, uh, we'll just end this out today with some prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, we, we do come to you in prayer, and Lord God, I thank you for this time that you've given us, Lord, all, all your goodness and your mercy, Lord God. I do pray, God, for your fear to be upon the body of Christ, upon those unsaved, Lord God, upon our unsaved family members, Lord God, for you said in your word, it's your, wor it's your will that not one would perish, but that all would come to repentance. Lord God in heaven, I pray, Lord God, that through your fear, Lord God, you, you even said in, in your word that godly sorrow worketh repentance. Lord God, I pray to God you bring all these unsaved family members that we have, the, the, the people that will be saved, God, to salvation, Lord God, through, through godly sorrow. The Bible also says the goodness of the Lord leadeth thee to repentance, Lord God. But I believe most of the time godly sorrow has to come before the goodness. Because godly sorrow will show us our sin in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord God, that what happened in Psalm 64, Lord God, what happened to the body of 
would, would, would happen to the sin-sick world, Lord God, that all men would see and fear and declare the work of God, for they would wisely consider of your doing, that the righteous would be glad in the Lord and trust in you, and that all the upright hearts shall glory. I do pray, God, Lord God, that, that, that you would hide us under your wings, Lord God. Under the covert of, of, of your wings would we make our refuge until these calamities be overpassed, as it says in your word. Lord God, because you're our only hope, moving into the times we're moving into. The shadow of your wings... But Lord God, I also know in your word it says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I pray to God that we would be dwelling in the secret place of the Most High, God. That we would be be on our knees praying to you, Lord God, daily, seeking to appropriate this protection, moving into the times that we're moving into, Lord God, that you would use the body of Christ as light and salt, moving into the times we're living in, God. That they would look to us, God, that many would be saved as a result of what you're going to do with the people in this room, do with the people that are listening to this recording, and with the body of Christ. That many would be saved through what you're going to do through the body of Christ, God. That your name would be glorified through them, God. That you would guide us and direct us in all that we need to do in the coming times we're moving into, God. That we would not get depressed about these things, but we would look up, for we know that our redemption draweth nigh. Looking unto Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith, I pray, God, we would keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. That we would be crucified with Christ according to Galatians 2.20. And we would not be afraid of what man would do unto us. And that, Lord God, we would fulfill Proverbs 28 verse 1 that says, The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray to God that would be our battle cry. Moving in the times we're living into. that, That we would not be afraid of these things, God. And, And that, Lord God, you would give us the strength and the grace, and then it would be the Holy Spirit working through us. It would not be of our own self. It would not be of our own strength. It would be the Holy Spirit working through us in a mighty, mighty way to bring about these things, God. Not that we could glory in our flesh. Lord God, I also pray for your provision for the body of Christ, God. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray to God for your provision. Lord God, moving in the times we're moving into, God. For if, God, we don't have the provision to move forward, God, our work for you will be hindered. And I'm praying this, Lord God, for the people in this room, for myself, for the body of Christ, God, that we would have, not, not so that we could live a life of luxury, God, and consume it upon our own lust, God, that, but we could have the provision to go forth and to bless others, God, to bless others, and that, Lord God, they could turn around and be a blessing to others, and that many would ultimately get saved as a result of these things, God. You did say in your word, Lord God, the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous, In the name of Jesus Christ, I just pray that you bless everyone hearing this um, prayer, Lord God, during this time. I pray, Lord God, again for your fear to be upon us. Lord God, for your wisdom, for your knowledge. Lord God, for your understanding, God. That your angels would encamp around about us, God. That the blood of Jesus Christ would be upon us. That we would remember to put on the full armor of God every single day. That the Holy Spirit would go before us, Lord God, to do these things. That your divine protection will be upon us and even upon our families. And we love you, Lord God. We thank you for all these things. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Did you bring that thing to plug into the computer?